Well, welcome. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. You know, God calls us out of our wandering. He calls us out of our dark places, calls us out of our sin, and he calls us in to be his family together and to worship. But before we begin, I have a, just a few announcements to make, just uh, things that are going on in, in the life of our church. But first of all, um, we, uh, we're not offering, uh, doing an offering plate today, but if you'd like to give, if you'd like to give to the work of the church, there's going to be an offering plate in the back. You're welcome to, uh, to put that back there, or you can give online as well. Uh, also, uh, we, uh, each year we do typically a Thanksgiving um, basket for, uh, in, in partnership with Waters, Water School, where we have met or worship in the past. We're going to continue that with that, but obviously it's going to be a little different this year. Um, we can, we're going to provide gift cards for families who are part of the uh, Waters community. So you're welcome to uh, 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 provide those gift cards in our offering in the, in, in the back, or the information will be online, and you're able to do that online in, during, uh, at, the, at the giving option. Also today, we are really grateful to have uh, Andy Abernathy with us. Andy is the professor of Old Testament at Wheaton College, and he is going to come. We've been obviously walking through Isaiah, and Andy is an expert in Isaiah. So it's really good. Uh, it's a gift to us to have him come and to preach and share God's word with us. So thankful, Andy, for you, uh, for you to be here with us. Well, as we come and worship, let's just take a few moments of pause before we begin our service. Please stand with me for our call to worship, which is from Psalm 
But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of your works. as we come to God in prayer, uh, I want to invite you just to take a brief moment of pause to acknowledge with God uh, our condition, your feelings, uh, how you come before him. Let's pause. Almighty God, you are our only true refuge, our steadfast shelter. We seek you and need you and long for you. Even when we run from you, even when we wander long and far from you, even when we squander the blessings and gifts you have given us, you call us home and you are eager to meet us with your disruptive and lavish grace. And as we gather in worship this morning, make us aware of your loving presence. Lord, as the virus continues to spike, Give us perseverance and strength and safety. Be with those of us who feel uh, alone and isolated, who feel worn down, fatigued by all the distance and disruption. God, we pray for our families who are juggling the demands of children and work, many even still having to do both together. Sustain them. May your kindness and grace meet them when they feel exhausted and spent. Father, we pray for those experiencing financial hardship right now, those who have lost jobs, those whose jobs have been reduced or altered in a significant way. Please take care of them. May they experience your generosity and provision in their need. We pray for our election. We pray that like Isaiah, when Uzziah died, that we may see the true king of this world one whose rule is just and peaceable, self-giving and full of grace. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, lead us into meekness and humility. Give us self-awareness and understanding that we may see ourselves rightly as people in need of your grace and forgiveness. And Father, because of your kindness, work in us to love our neighbor as ourselves that we would see your care and love. We pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need. And we'll do this together as a church, as God's family, and then have a time of personal quiet confession. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Father, we long for wisdom, but we often prefer that it be our, we spend time tending to our outward appearances and reputations, while you, O oh Lord, are concerned with our inward thoughts and desires. 
Show us how to listen to your wisdom and bring an end to the self-righteousness that ignores you. Amen. Just take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we come to you in sin and weakness. We confess it is hard to be honest about our neediness. Like Adam and Eve, we want to cover up our guilt and shame with our, our activity, our religious activity, with hiding and deflection. But God, we know that you see us. And in your kindness through your son, you lead us out of death and into life. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance. This comes to us from Philippians chapter 1. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. The New Testament reading is from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin when you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by faith you have been saved, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is, the it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the gospel reading is Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said... There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And we, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord. Lou, it's great to be here with you uh, tonight. Uh, we've known Chad and Jody for a while, and I remember even meeting with them before they started uh, the church plant about 11 years ago. So it's great to be here uh, with you. Brian called me an expert in Isaiah. It's a 66-chapter book. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not an expert in it all, and, uh, but I look forward to uh, sharing with you from uh, God's Word these next a few weeks, and I know that Chad preached from Isaiah 53 last week that probably, in my opinion, the most amazing passage in the entirety of the Old Testament, this vision of the suffering servant dying for the sins of others, it's remarkable. And what we'll do this week is we'll be looking at um, Isaiah 54. Next week, we'll look at Isaiah 55. And What's been happening in this context of Isaiah 49 to 54 is there's this alternation that's going on. There's a passage about the servant, then there's a passage about Lady Zion. Passage about a servant, then the passage about Lady Zion. Passage about a servant, which you saw last week, and now another passage about Lady Zion. Lady Zion is God's chosen city. Uh, this is Jerusalem. This is where God's presence had come. This is where the temple had been built. This is where God said he would put his name there. And if you think about Israel as a bicycle wheel, which I know all the hipsters in Lincoln Square know about bicycles, um, you have a hub, that's Zion, and all the spokes are leading to Zion. But Zion now finds herself completely destroyed her walls have been torn down. The temple has been burnt to the ground. All the people have been taken out of the city into exile. And Zion takes on this um, kind of persona in these chapters as Lady Zion. She feels abandoned, forsaken by God. She feels 
like a barren woman. She feels abandoned, like a wife would feel abandoned when her husband leaves her. Zion feels abandoned by God. And so we're left wondering, what is God going to do for Lady Zion? And we've seen the answer last week. There's going to be something about the work of the suffering servant that would address what Zion is mourning over. So here's the word God has for Lady Zion coming out of this great news of the suffering servant who died for the sins of many. He says, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood will, you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she's cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer." This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. and My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Join with me uh, in prayer. Father, we know that this is meant to be a word of encouragement, but we often find it difficult to let your words of joy penetrate our hearts. All of us in here are coming from different weeks, different experiences even today. We need to hear you. We need your spirit to open our hearts that we might receive what you have for us. We invite you here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's Halloween night, and it brings me back to when I was a kid. I have an identical twin brother and a younger brother, and you all are probably used to carrying around Halloween baskets, but I didn't carry around a Halloween basket. I carried around a pillowcase. How many of you parents in here also carried around pillowcases. This is the old school method. There's always more room in a pillowcase for more candy than there is for your little baskets, all right? That's just a little tip. And whenever we would get all of our candy, we'd come home and we'd dump it all out onto the floor, count it up, sort it out. How many of you kids do that on, on Halloween? 
you, you kind of see how many you got. And we loved uh, doing this. But I have some good news for you. I mean, it's good news for me, I should say. I did a little Halloween um, trick-or-treating before I came today. And I have my pillowcase. Now, if it gets real heavy, you can always put it over your shoulder. Mine isn't that heavy today, but I haven't had a chance to see what I got. I love chocolate, by the way. Let's see if we got any chocolate. Pretzels? Come on. we got to get something better than that. Snickers. Who likes Snickers? Yeah, I love Snickers. That's probably my favorite. Maybe Reese's Cups, though, too, are, are up there. Ooh, Sour Patch Kids. Who likes those? My, that's my twin brother's favorite. I always had to make sure he didn't steal mine. Let's see what else we have in here. What? What's this? I've never seen this before. Anyone see what it says? It says joy. I hope it's chocolate. It's shaped a lot like chocolate. Let's see here. All right, joy. Okay. Oh, there's a note on the back. What's it say here? Dear Andy, please share this with Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. Love God. What? God must have slipped this into my pillowcase. That's interesting. I hope it's COVID safe. I don't know how we could divide up all this chocolate. Do you mind if I eat it all if it's chocolate? Let's see here. Let's open this up and see. Oh, come on, God. A scroll? There's supposed to be candy in here. Oh, well, let's, let's see what it says. Oh, good news for some of you in here. The children will all receive joy candy after the service. But for now, God wants us to share joy from his word. Isaiah 54, 1 to 3. So I guess God has some joy for us. Let's see, let's see what he has, has to say to us from Isaiah 51, uh, 3. Well, I like chocolate, but that kind of... I eat it, and then I want more and more and more of it, right? Then I get a tummy ache. Um, but maybe God's word does have some good joy, will bring us some joy tonight. So when we look at our passage, it opens with a call for joy. Look at what it says. Sing or rejoice. But here's something that doesn't make sense. It's telling someone who's barren. Rejoice, O barren one who did not bear. That seems odd. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. God is appealing to one of the most painful experiences that people have throughout the history of the world. The problem of not being able to have children. And he, he taps into it. And he uses this as a metaphor for Zion. And he says, barren one, rejoice. This doesn't seem to make sense. How could a barren one? And I imagined as I was driving in here, uh, imagining a, a woman 
who's wanted to be able to give birth and never able to and weeping. And I imagine God reaching out his hand on her and in Hebrew saying, Brani Akra, rejoice, barren one, rejoice. How could this make sense? I mean, think of Zion. Her walls are torn down. She's unpopulated, without inhabitant. There are ashes lying all over the place. Just think of Lincoln Square and Ravenswood. What if everyone moved out of town? What if there had been some combat happening here? Buildings had been knocked over. Grass is growing up everywhere. Weeds are growing up everywhere. It'd be a pretty depressing state we'd be in. And that's how Zion is. The very place where God's presence once dwelt, where God's people would come and celebrate and stream to, it now lies in ruins. And yet Isaiah is a messenger from God, and God says, I want you to bring this message of joy to barren Zion. But how could she possibly rejoice? Well, what we find is God has a message uniquely crafted just for her. You see, God's word for her is that she will again have children. It says, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. And in fact, she's going to have so many children that Zion will need to experience extend her tent all the way to the very ends of the earth. God says, enlarge the place of your tent. And you've probably set tents before. You always have those tent pegs. And God says, I want you to lengthen. Um, don't hold back the cords, how far you can stretch it. Don't just settle for, you know, making your tent just a little bit bigger. Strengthen those stakes. Spread them out. Because from right to left, you will spread abroad and your offspring will possess the nations. This is a vision that all of a sudden Mother Zion, who has no children at the moment, if you want to say she's, she's downsized her house to just a little studio apartment. And God is saying, listen, it's time to spread your tent across the ends of the earth because your children are going to come and populate the whole world. Now, who are these children? Just before this passage, there's this vision of the suffering servant dying and sprinkling the nations. And it says, and he will see his offspring. These offspring, these children, are the very children of the servant of the Lord. And what we see here is God. God being the one who takes those who have nothing and transforms their world into a glorious joy. Let's think of Naomi in the book of Ruth. Naomi leaves um, uh, Bethlehem because there's famine in the land, and she goes to Moab. She goes there with her husband and her two sons, and they go to Moab, settle there. While she's there, her husband dies. After that, her son dies, then her next son dies, She's left with nothing. And as she returns, she has one daughter-in-law who's saying, I'm sticking by you, Naomi. 
And when Naomi comes into town, the people of the town say, could that be Naomi? And Naomi said, no, don't call me Naomi. That means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Because the Lord has done bitterly for me. I left full and I've come back empty. But as the story goes on, at the end of the book, it ends with an amazing work of God where there's a child on the lap of Naomi that's been given through Ruth. The townspeople are rejoicing with her. And little do we know, this little child, Obed, would have a son named Jesse. And Jesse would have a son named David. And David would be part of the bigger story that leads to Jesus. And we see here this God, this very God who raised Jesus from the dead, this very God who raised you and me from our death and our sins and made us alive together with Christ, this very God who opened his arms to prodigal children who've run far off and are left without anything and were left in shame, working, feeding pigs. He welcomes us home and throws a party and celebrates. And so God is saying here, break forth in joy because I'm going to restore your children beyond anything you can imagine. So as we think about this passage, and by the way, I'm only preaching on these first three verses, so don't get worried about the time. What, it, what do these, does this passage mean for us? First, I think we need to recognize that we here are God's, are Zion's children. We are the children in this story. We are the children of Zion. The suffering servant in Isaiah 53 died to make people, sinful people clean so they can come to Zion and be in the presence of the Holy God. And when we see Jesus come, the suffering servant, where does he come to on earth? He comes to Zion. He weeps over Zion. He turns over tables in Zion. He goes to trial in Zion. He spills his blood in Zion. He rises again in Zion. He leaves some disciples in Zion. And it's at this moment where God is saying, Lady Zion, get ready to spread the tent. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and then boom, little does Zion know she has 3,000 more children as they believe in Jesus upon Peter's sermon. Day after day, more children are added among Zion's children. And then God pushes them out and says, I want you to go up to Samaria. Let's extend the tent there. Let's extend the tent up the coast in Caesarea to Cornelius and the Gentiles. Hey, let's call this apostle Paul who's going to help spread Zion's tent. And Paul spreads the tent through Asia Minor into Greece and Rome. Then the tent of Zion keeps spreading Africa, Asia, Europe. It comes to North America, South America. It comes to Africa. It goes from the east coast of America and spreads and spreads and spreads. And Zion's tent has reached here into Lincoln Square. It has reached you 
It's reached me. Zion, who is barren, now has over 2 billion children. 2 billion. And I hope every single one of you in here and watching online knows you are an absolute miracle. Zion had no children. And you, you, every single one of you are Zion's children purchased by the blood of Jesus from all nations. You here are among Zion's children possessing the nations. But the second point I'd raise is not only are we Zion's children, you and I can relate to Zion herself. You see, Zion is fundamentally God's dwelling place and the church is now the dwelling place of God. And so throughout the ages, the church has always kind of seen itself in the light of Zion. And like Zion, the church can feel barren and childless at times. When I was in Israel, um, there was a a scholar in um, Christianity in Syria. That was her, her specialty. And she gave us a talk about the history of Christianity in Syria. And at the end of that talk, Uh, someone from our group raised uh, his hand and he said uh, to to this professor, he said, how how can we pray for the church in Syria? And this is uh, right around uh, 2014. And uh, the scholar, her, her eyes filled with tears and she just said, pray for its existence. This is one of the oldest churches in the history of the church on the brink of extinction due to persecution under Islam, due to violence. She feels like Lady Zion, barren, discouraged, disheartened. And I ask, how are you feeling at Lincoln Square? It's been 11 years, how are you feeling? Any feeling of barrenness? I would suspect so during COVID. I've also heard, uh, not from anyone on staff, but that there have been some significant families leave over the last year, not because anything about the church, they've just been called to new places. Do you feel barren? I wonder if in light of this passage, maybe we view those departures like Zion, and her tent peg spreading. You see, they're taking Zion's tent and spreading it to where God has called them. And God could be adding more children through their moves. But I also venture to say, even amidst the pain of their departure, Zion's tent here has more room in it. Zion's tent here in Lincoln Square Press has more space. And I wonder if this is a season where God is calling you to reinvigorate your hope, reinvest yourself and double down that God has more children to add to Zion's tent here in the Lincoln Square neighborhood. What could he be calling you to? How might he be calling this church 
to rejoice in the hope of Zion's children spreading far beyond you can ever imagine. Recently, Katie and I um, were not the natural evangelist type, um, <clears throat> but we felt it laid on our heart that maybe we'd lead a neighborhood Bible study. And come to find out, God had laid that on another family's heart in our neighborhood. And we had four weeks of the life of Jesus, meeting in a garage, open air, reading passages. Some of the people who've come, well, one couple hadn't been to church in three decades. And God's stirring. He's at work. Jesus' words, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. What is God nudging your heart to do? I wonder here what God might have for your church. So before you all go and eat your favorite Halloween candy and have a lot of fun, God wanted to send you a message of joy, a message of hope, an invitation to rejoice that the God who raised Christ from the barren womb of death will bring new life even amidst COVID, even amidst this tumultuous election that's looming ahead of us, even in a weathered city like Chicago, even in a post-Christian secular neighborhood like Lincoln Square, Ravenswood. God's word is, sing, O barren one. Large the place of your tent. Your offspring will possess the nations. In the name of Christ, amen. Thank you.
Well, having heard God's word, let's uh, stand together and respond in faith. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. Well, the imagery from our passage today, it, it points to family. But this relationship that is born out of covenant, out of love, is filled with all kinds of heartache, of upheaval, of being left behind and barren. And if we dare to hear the fear and if we dare to linger in some of the shame and in the anger that Isaiah points us to, those hard emotions, they can feel a little bit close to home, right? Maybe even on the nose for us in this COVID time. And this is exactly the place that God meets us, where we are hiding, where we are uh, broken, where we feel numb, where we feel anxious, right? God meets us with those words in our passage, with an everlasting love, I have compassion on you. This table, it invites us into the relentless, the faithful, the self-giving love of Christ. It feeds us with the reality that we are no longer orphans or widows or strangers to God, but we are sons and daughters who feast on Christ, who nourishes our faith in our desolate places, in our barrenness. And this is simple. <laughs> if you believe that, if you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in Christ, then you are invited to come and to eat and be filled up with God's grace and life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this table, and we pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one, that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and wine. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Well, if you notice, you should have received a, uh, a communion cup on your way in. If you haven't, you're welcome to raise your hand, and Eric has, Pastor Eric has some, uh, some extras in the back. But if you go ahead and you can begin to unwrap that, I know it's, there, I think it's on one side, there's the bread, and the, and the other is the wine. 
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. Father, we are thankful for your, your mercy that comes to us, comes to us in our barrenness. It feeds us with new life, with your grace. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, responding to the table, let's stand together. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. Well, before we close, I uh, just a, a few quick things. Right after, uh, at 6, there is, many of you already know, there is a children's event. Please stay after that. But I want to just address a little bit. Uh, we, there's been a spike in infections and things in, the, in our city. We have sent out an email. But I just want to reiterate um, that uh, after the service, let's all move outside. Uh, let's not linger indoors as a safety precaution. And one other note, in the past we have lingered on the sidewalk. We're going to ask that we linger, we're going to shift towards the, the parking lot. In the back area, there is an area close to the back entrance. We can all kind of hanger, uh, hang out there and linger and fellowship together uh, um, after the service. So please join us. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.